0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana and I am joined as always by my good friend in Utah, Mike Scott. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you. How are you down there in Florida? Uh, doing well, doing well, doing as well as to be expected in the middle of a global pandemic. But correct. as, as correct. much as I want to say about that because I don't want to date these. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to just point out that you know Mike and I want to extend a big thank you to everyone that's been checking out this Terminator series. I was texting him about a week ago and said I, I'm not sure what we're doing differently, but these Terminator episodes are going through the roof when it comes to downloads. And just released Terminator 2 the other day and. And it has already surpassed the first Terminator in the amount of downloads. So, we're on to something, Mike.
1: Yeah, I, I we must be doing something right. I got no idea what it is, but yeah. <laughs> we must be doing something right.
0: Excellent. So, we've talked about the first three Terminator films, and I, of course, had a breakthrough live on air when we were discussing Terminator 3. I watched Terminator Salvation today it's not the first time I've seen it, but I, you know, first time I've seen it in a while. And uh, I'd be curious to see if I have a, a live on-air breakthrough with this film. But having said that, Mike, first question I'm always going to ask in this series is, when did Terminator Salvation come on your radar? And what was your anticipation level for the film?
1: So, Terminator Salvation came, you know, sort of at the height, it came on my radar, sort of at the height of Ain't It Cool News' powers, because they had leaked... A script review of it. You know, I knew it was being filmed. I knew that, that Christian Bale was going to be in it and, and stuff like that. And I was excited about Christian Bale playing John Connor because, you know, this was post Batman. So I had already been a big Christian Bale fan my whole life going all the way back to Empire of the Sun. And then that only just went even higher up when he became Batman. So initially my anticipation was, was pretty high. I really liked the idea that it was going to be in the future and that we were actually going to get to see, you know, truly see the war with the machines. As you people know from listening to the last couple episodes, I have since revised my opinion on whether seeing that is a good idea or not. But then unfortunately, you know, ain't it cool leaked the, uh, the script review and they, they gave away what was to be the original ending, um, which was one of the most horrific endings to any movie I had ever read about. And so my anticipation just bottomed out for this movie. Um, and so by the time I didn't even see it in the theater, I, I got it when it came out on Blu-ray. Um, I just blind bought it on Blu-ray. Um, and, you know, that I, I think, you know, people will figure out what I think of the movie. But that's that it. It was the lowest anticipation I've ever had for a Terminator movie by the time it finally came out.
0: Interesting. Um, What I'd like for you to do, if we can remember, is towards the end of the episode, if you could tell me what the original ending was, because sure I, can. I, I don't know what that is. For me, I was disappointed with Terminator 3. I made no bones about that. Uh, obviously, I've since come around to it and actually respect the hell out of that movie a lot more than I did during that period between 2003 and 2009. Uh, like you, Bale had really come on my radar. I remember Empire of the Sun but he really came on my radar with uh, American Psycho. And that was kind of where I got my first introduction, real introduction to him. Uh, obviously, big fan of the Batman movies, Batman Begins, Dark Knight. So when this trailer dropped, I don't even think I knew that the film was being made. I think it was just one of those surprise trailers I saw in the theater. And I have to tell you, just the pedigree alone of Christian Bale was enough for me to say, Oh, I can't wait to see this film. But then, you know, the, let's be honest they always do a fantastic job, for the most part, making trailers, all right? They tend to make the movies look spectacular. And I was very much on board with this idea of finally, we're going to see a movie set in the future. And I was really, like I said, very happy that Bale was on board with it. So, uh, I would say that my anticipation level for this film was very high. I, I felt like perhaps they were going to right the wrongs. Again, this is all my thinking back in the 2000s. They were going to right the wrongs of Terminator 3. But more importantly, it just seemed like they were taking this far more serious than the way Terminator 3 had been presented to me at the time. So, I was on board and this was a Friday, 10 o'clock in the morning, first time view, I mean, first time, my first time seeing it was Friday, 10 a.m., first showing at the local multiplex. So... Typically, I would ask you, you know, when you saw the film, but you you already laid your cards out by telling me that you didn't even see it in the theater. Which, again, I think is that's that really speaks volumes, Mike, about how you were feeling about this film. Yeah, I just I I, I had no no excitement, no anticipation for it. So. I saw the movie now, in the interest of full disclosure, I had been seeing a girl at the time and she broke up with me the Thursday night, the night before, and I was pretty upset about that. So I didn't see the movie in the best mental condition I think that I could have. Having said that, I left the theater pretty uh, unsure of what I had just seen, but I chalked that up to my emotions were all over the place. So we looked at Arnold's filmography throughout uh, throughout this series in the uh, the years in between each terminator film between terminator 3 and terminator salvation he is only in 3 movies and they are just cameos and and Mike I wonder if you could explain to the younger listeners why we had such an absence of Arnold Schwarzenegger films between 2003 and 2009
1: Yeah because he uh, got himself elected governor of California and uh, so uh a there would be some some pretty significant conflicts if he's showing up in movies uh but b he just he was he was busy i mean he essentially retired or at least took a a significant hiatus for that entire time and it wasn't really until he was on his way out that he um popped up again in the expendables that's why i mean and and that's that's part of the reason why he's not in this movie there there were several scripts that involved him but it was just clear that he wasn't going to actually be able to be in the movie um and so that's why we get the the cgi arnold that we get later on in the movie
0: right absolutely so i was not familiar with the director of this film uh we talked about cameron directed the terminator one terminator two we've spoken extensively about cameron's career uh just for as a matter of fact watched aliens again last night mike because why not (laughs) (laughs) why not it's a it's it is hands down my favorite james cameron film bar none it's it's just incredible and that's just a just putting that out there i just love that film
1: i mean it's just amazing you know we've talked at length about it i've said the terminator is my favorite but aliens is just a close second and i just think both of them are just so good
0: so we get jonathan mostow directing terminator 3 and you and i have both spoken very highly of breakdown and u-571 and and i really want to urge people that if you haven't seen u-571 you're doing yourself a disservice. You should definitely check that film out. It, it, it's spectacular. And I know you're- It is real- a,
1: a rock solid submarine movie. It is it is some good stuff.
0: Absolutely. And I know you're really high on breakdown. You've mentioned that on the 20th Century Movie Club before. Yep. So let's talk about G for a moment. So this is a director who was not on my radar at all. His filmography starts in 2000 with Charlie's Angels- um, I can admit that I did see this film. It d- definitely didn't see it in the theater, but I did see it. And I remember this was at the height of Tom Green's popularity because he's got a cameo in the beginning of the film. Uh, your thoughts on Charlie's Angels?
1: So that was actually a day watch for me. I saw that day one and uh, I actually think I skipped a class to go see it, to tell you the truth. I was actually pretty excited for it. And uh, I liked it. I actually rewatched it last year because my wife had never seen it. And I still enjoy... The first Charlie's Angels. I think I think there's a lot of goofy fun in that movie, and and I will say that in that movie, McG does. You know, I'm not actually going to. I'm gonna try and be a little bit more positive about McG than a lot of people are, but I think he directs the hell out of some action scenes in that movie, which is actually kind of one thing that had me slightly a little bit excited for him doing Terminator Salvation. Is he was at least in my mind a guy that could direct some some pretty good action scenes.
0: Yeah, and I'm gonna. I think that's uh, a gonna- be a reoccurring theme when we talk about salvation itself. Two thousand and three, we saw Charlie's Angels full throttle. I have not seen the film. I I don't know if you've seen it. If it's something yep. you would recommend?
1: No, it's it's more of the same, only worse. I mean, it's pretty much a typical sequel in that it tries to do everything bigger, louder, faster, and more, but still somehow is less than the original one. So I would say watch the original one because I still think there's a lot of fun to be had in that one. You can skip full throttle. I know some people like it, but I'm I'm not a fan of
0: it. 2006, we get We Are Marshall. Now, this is a tough one for me because I want to be very respectful to the, the source material, the real life situation that did happen to Marshall University. And I'm a huge football fanatic. So I am, look, when you make a movie about football, you already get praise for me right off the bat, because I'm just such a junkie when it comes to football. Having said all that, I was not the biggest fan of this film for a number of reasons. Uh, I don't think I've ever spoke about this on the show. I don't think I've ever shared my feelings with anyone about this. It's not a movie I saw in the theater. It's a movie I saw, I think just I rented it, you know, on a whim one time, and I thought it was too much, if that makes sense. What were your thoughts on We Are Marshall?
1: So I've only seen it once. I saw it. No, I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it when it came out on DVD. I remember thinking it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got McConaughey before the McConaissance. I mean, the cast is stacked top to bottom, but I think it pretty much just registered a fine. I mean, it's not a movie I've ever had any interest in watching again, you know, so like it was it was. What it was. Um, certainly, the idea that McG would go too much and do you know do too much in a movie is is not hard to fathom by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Uh, and then of course we get Terminator Salvation. We want to talk a little bit about this film in a moment, but I want to just talk about the cast if we could for a moment. Uh, obviously, big selling point for both of us. Uh, again, this is prior to you finding out the the inside information, but the big selling point for both of us was Christian Bale, and we've mentioned you've mentioned that Christian Bale first came on your radar in 1987's Empire of the Sun, uh, a movie I would strongly recommend everyone check out. What are your thoughts on Empire of the Sun?
1: I just I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's it's one of my absolute favorite Spielberg movies. I think it, it's Bale's announcement as one of our most interesting and exciting young actors, and I, I, I think for the most part, his career has borne that out. You don't see a lot of bad Christian Bale performances. He's made some bad movies, but you don't see a lot of bad christian bale performances and even ones that you might consider bad like vice uh, you know i didn't think was very good i thought but he was trying to do something interesting with it you know and so it was still interesting to watch him in that movie i i love empire of the sun i think it's a it shows a side of spielberg that we didn't get a ton and i'm not saying that that It's because it's serious, because, you know, there's a lot of serious Spielberg. Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan. But there's a subtlety, I feel, to Empire of the Sun... And as you know, Dana, I'm I'm a big Spielberg fan. Like, this is not a criticism of Spielberg, but there's a subtlety to Empire of the Sun that I don't think is present in a lot of his movies.
0: When I signed up for the, the HBO, that was immediately the first movie that I watched on, on my flat screen. And I was just kind of in awe of the fact that, you know, this is 1987. This is Spielberg at the height of practical effects, if you will. And there are some truly jaw-dropping scenes in that film. And I don't necessarily mean action scenes sequences. I just mean inspiring, incredible shots in that film.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's running on all cylinders and he's getting career defining performances out of his cast. You know, you, you've got one of the greatest, I think, one of the greatest John Malkovich performances in the movie. Um, I just think, it, if people haven't seen Empire of the Sun, it's really hard for me to, uh, or I should say, I'm just recommending it very strongly, because I, I think it's a terrific movie.
0: And I'm just going to just quickly go down this list between 87 and 2000. We, you know, he's his he appearances in Henry V, Newsy, Swing Kids, just going Little Women, Pocahontas, Metroland, Velvet Goldmine, Midsummer's Night's Dream. And he really comes on the radar in 2000's American Psycho, which is a movie that I have incredibly mixed feelings about. But I'm certain that I think he gives one hell of a performance in that film. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, he absolutely does. I do want to shout out one. Before that too, uh, if you haven't seen Velvet Goldmine, that was that was one of his like arrival as an adult uh, actor, you know, because he'd done a lot of kids work. You know, lots of people love Newsies and Swing Kids, and and there's a lot of nostalgia with those. But but Velvet Goldmine was kind of his first big. I'm now an adult actor, and that's a pretty fantastic movie especially if you're a fan of like David Bowie and and that glam rock 70s glam rock era but then yeah he just comes out swinging in American Psycho and and for those who don't know there was actually that movie almost never got made because uh the director she so badly wanted Bale Uh, And then the studio, Mary Heron is the director. The studio wanted Leonardo DiCaprio. And so she was going to be forced to make it with him. But then he dropped out and she was able to go back and make it with Bale. uh, But they cut her budget by an astronomical amount. But I I think anybody that's seen that movie can't imagine anybody but Christian Bale playing that role.
0: Yeah, that would be tough to see Leo in that role. That moving forward, he was in... He was in Shaft, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, a movie I still have never seen to this day, but uh, it's a Nick Cage film, so I feel like I need to at some point. Two very interesting films came out that he was in in 2002: uh, Reign of Fire and Equilibria. Both I think are rather underrated. What are your thoughts on both of those films?
1: I love both of them. I love both of them so much. <laughs> I think I think they are. I think they're both not as good as they could have been, but I still think that they are just absolutely entertaining. You know, I I think Equilibrium especially is one. There's not an original bone in that movie's body, except for the action scenes, uh, which are, when I saw that in in 2002, just absolutely blew me away. Um, You know, Kurt Wimmers turned out to be not a very interesting or talented director, but I think he was really onto something with Equilibrium. The, the fight choreography and the action scenes in that movie are are just awesome. And Reign of Fire is just great for Bale being good, but you've also got a completely unhinged Matthew McConaughey performance in that movie that makes it... I mean, he got... If you've never seen the movie, McConaughey got ripped and shaved his head and grew this big beard. Um, and I, I really think that uh, he in addition to Bale, really makes it worth watching.
0: Yeah, the thing about Reign of Fire that I really, really appreciate is it just seems to have this level of authenticity to it. Given the subject matter, I felt it was grounded in a much more realistic setting than I think they could have gone in a completely different direction. I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, it's about dragons. But I think the way they handle it is just a very, very authentic feeling to it.
1: Yeah, the biggest problem with Reign of Fire, I think, is that is a uh, $300 million movie that they got $75 million to make. I I think it really, the biggest problems I have with the movie are because of its its budget. You know, without any spoilers, I feel like the ending's just a little bit anticlimactic because they very clearly just didn't have the money to do the big kind of epic ending that they wanted to do. Um, but I still think the movie is is just a, a great time. It, it is the epitome of just a crack of beer, pop some popcorn, order a pizza and sit back and enjoy the hell out of dragons, you know, Matthew McConaughey punching dragons, essentially.
0: Yeah. Uh, 2004, he was in The Machinist, a film that I have not been able to bring myself to watch. I'm just a little bit just I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to handle the the body transformation that he goes through in that film. Have you seen the Machinist?
1: I sure have. I saw the machinist in the theater, and it's well, it's good, but it's it's a rough watch. It's not as much of a rough watch as. I think a lot of people think it is. Um, it's a little bit more, I don't, I'm trying to think, of, I, optimistics, not the right word, but it's not a movie that's designed to like horrify or emotionally scar you. It's, it's a movie that's designed to move you. And, and I think it does that very well.
0: In 2005 and 2006, Bale worked with, I want to just name these directors that Bale worked with in this two-year period. Christopher Nolan, Terrence Malick, and Werner Herzog. This is a pretty incredible list of directors to work with. Of course, we're talking about Batman Begins, The New World, and Rescue Dawn. Three movies that couldn't be any further apart from each other, yet I think are all special in their own way.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and if anybody hasn't done any reading on Bale going from the machinist, so you mentioned his his physical transformation. For those who don't know, he dropped down to, I think, 120 pounds and then had to get back up to like 215 for Batman and ended up getting gout because he had to put on the weight far too quickly. It's not something that I think we should, you know, encourage or admire but it is an impressive feat of physical acting um and then yeah i think the new world and rescue dawn i think rescue dawn is a really underappreciated movie that is especially if you watch that with the back-to-back with the documentary that herzog did it's it's really just a great A great time.
0: And then, of course, um, he would work with Nolan again in The Prestige. I won't say that's an underrated film because people love that film. Um, I think it's an incredible film. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's great. It's great. It might be... uh, It's my second favorite Nolan film. Uh, Batman Begins is by far my favorite Nolan film, but I actually like The Prestige a little more than I like Dark Knight, which is
0: no slight on Dark Knight, but um, really, really like The Prestige. Well, we may have just found our next retrospective, Nolan Films. (laughs) Because that's an interesting interesting theory. It is. Interesting. Uh 310 to Yuma, the remake, another quality picture. Yep. Yep.
1: yep. James Mangle doing a good old fashioned Western. And you got Russell Crowe giving one of his last, I think, really invested performances. Um I, I think Crowe's just just amazing in it.
0: Uh then we get two thousand and eight. We get the Dark Knight, which I don't know what more needs to be said about the film. Uh, Obviously, Heath Ledger kind of overshadows everybody else's performance in that film, but everybody does give a damn fine performance. And that is easily one of, if not, in my opinion, I know you're going to Disagree with me slightly. I think it's the greatest comic book film ever made. A very good distant, a very close second would be Superman the movie for me. But uh, just as far as rewatchability, I, I stand by the Dark Knight. Uh, well,
1: that's a, I mean, that's a completely defensible position, right? I mean, it's not my. It's not my favorite, but that's a completely defensible position. That movie is, I mean, like you said, what more can we say about it? That movie is top to bottom. Not just one of the greatest comic book movies, but one of the best movies that uh, I think has been made in the last 30 years.
0: Then we get to Terminator Salvation. Now, before we talk about the movie, Bale had an incident while filming the movie, which was caught on audio recording, and this was, this this particular incident And I'm gonna play just about 30 seconds of it right now. Kick your fucking ass! I want you off the fucking set, you prick! Sorry. No, don't just
1: be sorry. Think for one fucking second. The, The fuck are you doing? Are you professional or not? Yes I am. Do I fucking walk around and rip that No, shut the fuck up, Bruce! Do I want no- No! Don't shut me up. I'm Am I going to walk around and rip your fucking lights down
0: in the middle of a scene? Then why the fuck are you walking right through? Ah, uh, da 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 like this in the background. What the fuck is it with you? What don't you fucking understand? You got any fucking idea about, hey, it's fucking distracting having somebody walking up behind Bryce in the middle of the fucking
1: scene? Give me a fucking answer.
0: That was 11 years ago and that is still something that people talk about. It's one of those ones where I don't know Bale, but my opinion of him kind of shifted a little bit because, you know, this I mean I played I played 30 seconds of that. That goes on for 6 minutes uninterrupted. Yeah. Did you hear about this before or after you saw Terminator Salvation and did it change your opinion of Bale in any way?
1: Um before and and just as a reminder too, also right around this time, he was accused of domestic violence against his wife. The charges got dropped, but you know, it seemed like there was some, some stuff going on in his life. I had heard about it before. It didn't change my opinion a ton because Bale throughout his entire career had kind of had a reputation of being potentially, I don't want to say difficult, but he's a, he's a very method type of actor. And, and so much like Daniel D. lewis you know, kind of had a reputation of you're going to get a phenomenal performance, but it might be a little difficult on set. It didn't change my opinion that much because it kind of comported with what I already knew, which is not to excuse it. And, And I will say Bale has apologized for that, you know, multiple times. Um, but, uh, it, it, it comported with what I knew, which is that while Christian Bale is one of my favorite actors, and I think one of the best actors that we have working and and will go down in history as one of the best actors of all time, he's probably not someone I want to know in real life. Yeah. Like, I probably don't want to go have a drink with the guy.
0: Right. <laughs> Having gone over a good portion of his filmography, I will say this. I think Bale is a phenomenal actor. I think he's given some legendary performances. And I'm just going to show my cards right now by saying that I feel like the performance he gave in Terminator Salvation is amongst the most wooden performances that I have seen him give of everything I've ever seen him in. So we can dive right in. You have said before that the Terminator films have a John Connor problem. You have Christian Bale, arguably the best actor to ever portray John Connor. Do you still stand by that the Terminator films have a John Connor problem, specifically in Salvation?
1: Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Um, He is, you know, I've seen some really, really kind of off-the-wall Christian Bale performances. One thing I'm not used to seeing from Christian Bale is for him to be boring. Yeah. And he is just so boring in this movie. And part of that is his fault. He's clearly not invested in the role. But the other part is... Again, the movie set up John Connor... To be this big savior of mankind, which is fine, but that means that no actor should really try, especially during the war with the machines. No actor should be trying to portray him, you know, unless you would get lightning in a bottle and Christopher Reeve as Superman, right, which almost never happens. John Connor's better left in a couple of scenes on the side, especially I think, you know, I think I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I think this is actually an interesting movie in that it is a direct sequel to Terminator 3 it does consider Terminator 3 canon and given I what I think is some of the interesting work that Nick Stahl does in that movie we really that should have been the last we see John Connor right he picks up the the CB and starts talking to people and then from then on out he's just the guy in the background who's kind of like um I don't know Dana have you ever seen Ben-Hur uh I have not I'm I'm
0: guilty as charged
1: So no, you're fine. So Ben-Hur is all about Charlton Heston's character, Ben-Hur, right? Judah Ben-Hur. But throughout it, Jesus is in the background, like, and Ben-Hur sees him periodically and kind of interacts with him. And it's almost what I think John Connor should be. Right? I mean, because we've already talked about the Christ allegories with John Connor right down to the fact that his name, his initials are JC. This movie really suffers by making him such a focal point because as somebody who's watched the first three Terminators, I don't want Michael Ironside questioning John Connor. I'm not interested in people thinking he might be like a false prophet or anything like that. That's that's not how I am interested in seeing John Connor, it just makes him another dude and a really, really boring, uninteresting dude. Like, I didn't think, I didn't feel for a second like this guy was going to be able to lead the resistance against the machines.
0: No, no. And he yells way too much in this movie. I'm just going to say that. Just and they, And these yells come out of nowhere. I'm uh, just going to point that up. That's the one thing I was noticing today. It's like, you know, people ask him a question. He's just, Rah! he just kind of yells at them. And I was like, okay, okay, take it back. Uh, I don't know if that's a choice that he made or if that was a choice that McGee made. Uh, so we'll come back to a little bit about Bale as John Connor. The... Other star of the film is Sam Worthington, and we're not going to go through his entire career. I'll just ask you your thoughts on Sam Worthington.
1: I think for the most part, he's a pretty... uh, I have called him in the past sentient block of wood, Um, but I will... I will say this. I, a couple of weeks ago, rewatched Avatar and have opened up a little bit about Sam Worthington. I think that uh, he's maybe better than I have given him credit for uh, in, in some of his roles. Um, he's in actually a, a little Australian movie I love called Boot Men that was made by uh, a, a tap dance crew called Tap Dogs. But again, much like Bale, I think he's... Just never been more boring than he is in this movie i I, I think he's just he's not as wooden as bale, but he's, he's still not interesting and i and i I kind of I don't want to talk about it now, but just remind me because I do want to talk about it. I think the biggest problem with this movie is originally it was supposed to be all about Marcus. And then when Bale decided he would rather, and they wanted Bale to be Marcus, but he decided he wanted to play John Connor. And they rewrote it and bulked up Connor's role. And I think that is the fatal flaw in the movie. I think that screws the entire movie uh, and makes it not salvageable.
0: We can talk if we can, because Marcus Wright is the character that Sam Worthington plays. And this is going to become a pattern with Terminator films in that major plot points are spoiled in the trailer. And it's clear that when you watch the film, the big reveal is supposed to happen In real time when you're watching the film, not the trailer. So this is where I'm going to go ahead and say spoiler alert for Terminator Salvation. If you haven't seen the film, uh, it's revealed uh, three quarters of the way through the movie that Sam Worthington is, in fact, a human Terminator hybrid that is given away in the trailer, which, again, unforgivable. Like this this has happened in T two. Uh this happens with Terminator Genesis, which we'll talk about next on the next episode. But uh what are your thoughts on that? With the, the, the fact that this is completely like out of the bag before you even see the film.
1: Yeah, it it You know, I'm less bothered by that because like I've said before, I'm not really a spoiler guy. I, uh, I, at the risk of oversharing, you know, my anxiety for me, spoilers actually help me enjoy movies because I get so stressed out watching certain ones that sometimes it really helps to know spoilers going in. I can just sit back and enjoy the movie. What bothers me more in this is that I think the hook of a Terminator that doesn't know he's a Terminator is fucking Great. There is so much fertile ground to explore in that. And this movie does nothing with it, like nothing at all interesting with that entire sort of philosophical quandary. And, you know, if a Terminator doesn't know he's a Terminator, is he then a human? So if you're going to just shut him down and execute him, you know, is there an ethical quandary there? Those are some interesting heavy heady topics that I think Cameron could have done a hell of a lot with, let alone somebody like, say, Christopher Nolan. I don't know if McGee's not interested or the studio wasn't interested, but they just don't do anything with that at all.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting the way way you kind of spelled that out. Yeah. Uh, Anton Yelchin plays Kyle Reese. Now, he's got some mighty big shoes to fill as you and I are Big time fans of Michael Biehn, especially his performance as Kyle Reese in the first Terminator. I'm trying to think when he came on my radar. I mean, I really figured out how good of an actor he was when I saw Alpha Dog in the theater. I know he'd been in a few films prior to that, but that's when he came on my map. What about for you? Uh, so,
1: he came on my map. He made a movie. I had seen him before, but he made a movie with Robert Downey Jr. called Charlie Bartlett Yeah, that I really liked the hell out of. I, I know it got it got a little bit of uh, criticism, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought he and, and Downey were so dynamic to together in that movie and as again is not to overshare but as somebody that you know struggles with depression and anxiety there's just a lot in that movie that really affected me and so i May, first of all, pour a little out. May may he rest in peace. Yeah. So we yeah. we really lost somebody with him. I love Anton Yelchin. I think he was uh, fantastic. For those who haven't seen Green Room, oh, that is yeah. one of the sure. most intense movies you will ever see in your life. He's great as Chekhov in Star Trek. I mean, he's just he was awesome in everything for me, except Terminator Salvation. Exactly,
0: uh, yeah, exactly. That's there's a there's a reoccurring theme happening with every actor we talk about.
1: I, I don't see. you know, and I read some background on how he tried to mimic Michael Bean's mannerisms and, 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 but he just doesn't, I just don't see that guy turning into the Kyle Reese that we know from, from the first Terminator. I just, I don't see it at all. Um, You know, and that's one of the problems with trying to do these kind of prequels like this is if you don't do it right. They really, this is one of the reasons I sing the praises of Star Trek 2009, speaking of Anton Yelchin, because the casting in that movie was so perfect. I could see all of those characters, all of those actors turning into the actors that we knew from the original Star Trek. I don't see any of that connection in this movie at all. And and I don't see Anton Yelchin turning into Kyle Reese. And he's just, he's not given much to do and he's just not very good in
0: it. Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, again, like... And we'll get to it when we when we get to our list of things we like and things we don't like about this film. And this goes back to my first viewing in 2009 in the theater as I just, unfortunately, I wasn't buying it. And that is in no way, shape or form a knock against him because he is given great performances. And I think he's, uh, again, a little boring in this is the best way to, to describe it. But I think he's doing the best he can with the material he's been given to work with. And it makes me wonder if, you know, how many takes did he do where maybe perhaps McGee went with a different approach than how he wanted to approach it? That's just pure speculation. Yeah, it's just, and then my head starts to hurt when I think about the actual plot of the film, which we'll get to in just a moment here. Um...
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is Yelchin was such an empathetic actor. He was just, you couldn't help but not like him in he had these expressive eyes and this just expressive way of moving and when he would talk his he had that voice that would almost always crack no matter how adult he was you know almost like he was going perpetually going through puberty and you just like him and I like him in this movie in spite of the movie because he's Anton Yelchin but he's given nothing to work with. And I agree with you, Dan. I think he's doing everything he can and is is relying on his inherent like ability to make it. I mean, that's the only thing that even makes that character slightly work is is Anton Yelchin. But I mean, you know, I guess it's kind of an accomplishment when you're when you made a movie that has both Christian Bale and Anton Yelchin's worst performances in it. That's yeah. that's something, I guess. <laughs>
0: One of the big things that I, I have a hard time forgiving on a list of a lot of things I have a hard time forgiving with this film is the role of Kate Brewster. Yeah. And that is she is portrayed this time by Bryce Dallas Howard. I think she's in the movie for a combined three and a half minutes. And you know, Terminator Three, as you mentioned, this Terminator Three is canon to this film. And we see the evolution of Catherine Brewster in Terminator 3. And she is, when you want to talk about given nothing to do, she is given nothing to do in this film. Bryce Dallas Howard. I I think she's great in The Village. I think she's the best part of that movie. I have not, I mean, I've seen five minutes of the Jurassic World movie. I haven't seen the sequel. Those movies don't interest me. So I can't speak to her performances in those films. This is not the character that was set up, at the end of Terminator 3. Your thoughts?
1: No, it's not even close to the character. I it's actually, you know, so initially way early in development, they did want Nick Stahl and Claire Danes to come back, but then they kind of went a completely different way. And I almost think it's weird then that they made Terminator 3 canon because it, it, you know, anybody that listened to our our 3 episode knows that A, I love Claire Danes as an actress, and B, I love who she turns into by the end of that movie. You know, I really bought the chemistry between her and Nick Stahl by the end of that movie. There's some really lovely character work between them in that movie. There is no chemistry between Bryce Dallas Howard and Christian Bale in this movie at all. They seem like completely different characters. And uh, yeah, I really like Bryce Dallas Howard. She's actually terrific in a, a movie that I love love called 50 50 with uh joseph gordon levitt where she plays his absolutely terrible girlfriend and uh she does it well She has not been well served by blockbusters. Uh, This has not did not serve her well. Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom did not serve her well. Um, She does much better when she sort of sticks to indie movies or or, you know, some smaller some smaller films, Um, because I think she's a terrific actress. But I think a lot of films don't know how to use her. And this one certainly doesn't. She's given nothing to work with in this one.
0: Yeah. We're going to talk real briefly about another fantastic actress who's Helena Bottom Carter, who's in the movie for uh, the opening and then is quasi in the film at the towards the end. Uh, another remarkably amazing actress who, again... I mean, are we just going to keep saying with every performance in this film, I don't want to start sounding like a broken record, isn't really given much to do, although she does serve as a key plot device or plot point for the film. Uh, We don't have Marcus's character without her your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't even know why, like, did you do it? Did you cast her just because you wanted Helena Bonham Carter? Like, why the hell do you cast her and give her that little to do? I There's so many decisions made in this movie. And again, if you if you read that, I, I would encourage everybody to go on Wikipedia and, and, and IMDB and read the sort of the background, but because this the production of this was just a mess. But there's so many decisions made in this movie that I just can't Cannot understand or comprehend. And, and casting, I mean, look, Helena Bottom Carter's given some really bad performances. But again, she gives bad performances because she does crazy things, right? She she tries interesting things. Like you made her boring. That is really, really goddamn hard to pull off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. No, that's a perfect way to look at it. And of course. One of the greatest character actors of all time, Michael Ironside, who, when I look at everything that man has done, from Total Recall to Starship Troopers to 30 other performances, the man is always fantastic. I love him. I, he, His face on the cover of a movie will on the cover of a movie poster will be enough for me to say, well, I'm going to give this a try. I mean, do yeah, I? Yeah, just... I
1: mean, the man's a legend. Exactly. Like, he's he's an absolute legend. He's been an actor that I have followed my entire life. When I was a kid, I saw a movie on cable and I can't even remember the name and I'm not going to bother to look it up, but it's a murder mystery in space where he's the captain of a ship trying to solve this murder mystery in space and he was on V. And, and so I have followed Michael Ironside, my Entire life, he's a legend. I will always remember him in Starship Troopers, saying, "Come on, you apes, you want to live forever?" I mean, he's 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 amazing, and he's doing Michael Ironside in this movie. But again, he's not given. He's there because he's Michael Ironside. There's not an
0: interesting character there. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's perfect. He's doing Michael Ironside. Uh, I don't want to skip over Moon. Bloodgood or Common, but you're literally just going to hear us say the same thing. Although, I do kind of like Moon Bloodgood in this one. I'm not really familiar with her besides this film, but I I, I think she's got – Something
1: she was in Falling Skies, a a pretty decent TV show on TNT with Noah Wiley, and she was very good in that. I think she does probably the best work out of anybody in this movie. Um, I think she's the most interesting, she's the one that feels like she's actually invested in the movie. I think that she and Marcus have the most interesting arc, um, and it gets given such short shrift by the rest of the movie. I think. I don't, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but I will just say my ultimate review of this movie is a movie about Marcus the Terminator that doesn't know he's a Terminator being protected by Blair the resistance fighter who's willing to acknowledge that a Terminator could learn and be human. Is a movie that I actually want to see. And one of the great sins of making movies is never, ever. Show the audience the movie that you're not making that is more interesting than the movie yeah. that you are
0: making. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, and again, I mentioned Common, who I've seen in uh, quite a few different films. I think he's always a, a solid actor. Uh, yeah, he's fine. He's yeah, good. It, he's And he, he's good. he's playing
1: Common yeah. in this. I mean, he's doing what he does.
0: Yeah. Uh, the last one I want to talk about is the cameo by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wink, wink, when I say yeah. that. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw him come on screen?
1: Uh, I knew he was coming. Uh, that had been spoiled. I knew he was coming. And I just thought it was, first of all, the the CGI, for those who don't know, it's a young Arnold, it's a it's a T eight hundred looking like he's supposed to look in the nineteen eighty four movie, and so they CGI'd his face. And you know, we all know now the de aging technology. You know, anybody that saw Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel knows the de aging technology now is pretty terrific. It was not there in two thousand nine, and I just thought he moved. I, I thought it worked a lot better once the skin got burned off, and we just got. Connor and Marcus fighting a uh, just a fighting a Terminator.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I did not know he was going to be in the film, so that was kind of one of the aha moments when I saw that in the theater. But I'll agree with you, the second that his skin was burned off and it was just the skeleton, I was like, okay, yeah, this is way more digestible. Because I was just going, boy, the uncanny valley of this is, is not good. And, and, and it was the decision to do, yeah, the 1984 hairstyle that the Terminator has from... Uh, God, what are we doing? (laughs) It's just, (laughs) what are we doing? Uh, If you were, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but to talk about this film, if you were to explain the plot of this movie to someone who hasn't seen it, how would you explain the plot of this movie? Because I'm really challenged on this one.
1: Um, Giant, uh... Dick John Connor tries to save his own father uh who is actually younger than him meanwhile in a completely unrelated subplot a terminator that doesn't know he's a terminator falls in love um I, like i i don't know man i'm with you like i don't know what is th- every terminator up to this point has had a theme they've had a i don't want to say a message cuz they're not message movies but they've had a theme they've had you know Terminator one is about watching Kyle Reese be willing to give everything up for the woman that he loves and that woman growing to become uh, a a complete hero. Terminator two is about rejecting fate. You know, we know fate, but what we make, we will change the future. Terminator three is about guess what, sometimes life sucks, and you can't change the future. So you've just got to fucking deal with it and still be the best person you can. I don't know what the message or the point of this movie is. Like, I guess there's a little bit about a Terminator can grow to become human, but we already know that because we've watched two different Arnie Terminators learn how to be human. So there's not actually that much interesting with Marcus choosing to be human. Like, I don't know, man. I really don't know. With this movie,
0: we're going to get to a lot of stuff when we get to the list, uh, get our list, our list of things we, we don't like about this film. So I would just want to knock out real quick, my list of things I, I do, the my positives about this film, if I could real quick, and then I'll turn it over to you. You mentioned early on in this episode that Mick G can do Good action set pieces. I think there are a couple really good action set pieces. Now, do they advance the 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 narrative forward? No, they're just there. Like I think there's a box, a box, a checklist, if you will, of how many times we have to have an action set piece in the film, and he's just checking off the boxes. That being said. That opening sequence with Bale in the helicopter, it's all done as sort of one, one continuous shot. I still think that's done incredibly well. And I, I really think that looks fantastic. In fact, I, I think a good portion of the movie looks really good. I think it's got some real sort of grittiness to it. And for 2009 CGI, there's a little shoddiness here and there, but I think a lot of it is very, very solid. So. That being said, I'll give the movie high marks for a few of its action set pieces, some of its special effects. So, But that's it. That's my list of good. What's your list?
1: So, uh, and I'm actually going to, we'll talk about it when we get to our negative. I'm going to slightly disagree with how the movie looks. I do think the action set pieces are pretty well put together. I like the motorcycle Terminators. I think those are pretty cool. I do think buried amongst all the garbage. There's some interesting character stuff. Uh, I I like a little bit of the interaction between Marcus and Kyle. I, I think there's some good stuff. And again, that's where you can see Anton Yelchin and, and even to a certain extent, Sam Worthington trying to make something out of nothing. Um, I think Marcus and Blair have a really nice interaction. I I I really think they're doing some some. Good stuff. Two scenes in particular that I think Sam Worthington does really well. One, uh, when he comes out of the water and John's trying to shoot him and he's like, enough, you know, that's not going to stop me, but I'm not here to kill you. I thought that was, Bale was still boring as hell, but I thought Worthington was actually invested in that scene. And the, the action guy in me... Really liked when the Skynet, Helena Bonham Carter says, you can't save John Connor and Marcus goes, watch me. I thought he really nailed for like an action, like, yeah, now it's on. I thought he really nailed that. I don't think the movie supports him in that and the ending that we get isn't you know supportive of that but i thought he nailed that scene that's about all i got
0: a couple things on my negative list because we could go for a couple hours on this i think the first three terminator films get going never stop and are to use a word that I, i to use one of your words are very efficient i don't find this film to be very efficient what do you think
1: oh god no no, this is bloated. First of all, it's the second longest one. I think T2, if I'm not mistaken, is longer, but this is the second longest one. And it shows every ounce of that bloat. I mean, it just, it yeah, it, it's not efficient in the slightest.
0: I also have put down... I don't know who the star of this movie is, but we've kind of talked about that already. Uh You are led to believe that this is a, from the trailers, that this is a John Connor story. It's more a Marcus story, but at the same time, like, I don't know who the real star of this, I don't know whose story we're supposed to be following. I know it's supposed to be sort of both of their stories and how they intersect and then it all kind of comes together at the end, but that's not what we get, and then you throw Kyle in here. It's almost like the whole Star Wars episode one, if you were to say, whose story is this? It's very all over the place.
1: This is the problem with writing your script based on like external factors, right? Because yeah, The original script was supposed to be about Marcus, and I think Marcus, even though I don't love Sam Worthington's performance, he is the most interesting part of this movie. But then when Bale decided he wanted to be John Connor, they beefed his role up and kind of split it between the two leads. And then they brought in the whole Kyle Reese component to give Connor something to do, and you could even have Kyle in it if the story is Marcus decides to protect for no reason other than we don't need to know that John's trying to protect his father. What we need is Marcus decides for no reason other than it's the right thing to do to protect Kyle Reese. And then at the end, we find out like it's Kyle Reese, you know, we fight or or whatever. But this movie was so written by committee and it just shows every badly stitched together seam throughout the whole thing. It it just Terminator one, two and three, regardless of what you think of them, were the products of singular visions, you know, and and I'll just say with Terminator three, because that's the most controversial one, but Jonathan Mostow knew what he was doing and he made his movie. This feels like movie making by committee at its, its worst. You know, this is everything, as you know, Dana, I defend blockbuster movies until my dying day, but this is everything that is bad about blockbuster filmmaking that everybody complains about.
0: Yeah, one more thing on my list, and then I want to turn it over to your list of negatives. Look, when we get glimpses, I'm going to look at Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. When we get glimpses of the future, of humans battling Skynet. They have what I'll call the phase plasma rifles. They probably got those from, you know, Destroying Terminators and 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 different uh, the HKs and things like that. But the most technology that you see them have, especially in Terminator 2, is just a beaten up truck that they're just driving. I wrote down They have a military arsenal at their disposal, referring to the humans in this film. They have A-10 warthogs, they have submarines, they have functioning airports or 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 hangars. And I am this to me just sort of goes against the whole idea that the nuclear worldwide nuclear attack kind of wiped everything out. So I was a little I was more than taken out with the fact that they had an air force which to me didn't make any sense. And I don't think there was any reference in any of the three films like, well, we started off with our own, uh, you know, pretty good size size army, and then the, the machines wiped it all out. No, I just, it didn't make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. The first couple of movies, all, all three of them created such a, and this is where I was going to say I was going to disagree with you a little bit with how the movie looked. Well, the first three movies created such a compelling look at this horrific nightmare of a future that is so distinctive to Terminator. This just looks like any one of a thousand bad direct-to-video post-apocalyptic, I mean, with a bigger budget, but the look of it is just A standard post-apocalyptic movie, you know, it could have been made by Umberto Lenzi or or any one of the Italian ripoff directors, you know, after Mad Max. I mean, it just, it looks more like a Mad Max movie than it looks to me like a Terminator movie. Because we even know from the first Terminator, Kyle says, you know, we attack at night and lay low during the day. Almost all of this movie takes place during the day. Yeah. (laughs) So just, you know, that look just isn't there at all i i agree with you completely
0: yeah and you know what i didn't even think about the fact that there is that line that we we only attack at night <laughs> okay. okay uh how about your list of negative things about this film
1: so i did forget to talk about a positive first okay um, please. i i really liked the i it's cheesy it's fan service i really like the use of you could be mine sure I thought that was a nice touch. That was one of the few things that I thought was a really nice touch in this movie. Even though I can't see in any way Edward Furlong turns into Christian Bale or that that John Connor turns into this John Connor, I still liked that touch. I thought that was nice. Yeah. Um, I have... Uh, quite a list of things, but we've talked about a lot of them. Uh, One thing I want to kind of talk about a little bit is you'd think John would be a little more trusting of Marcus considering that his life has been saved twice by Terminators that learned how to be human. Like, I understand being afraid of Terminators, but you'd think of anybody in this movie that would be open to the idea that Marcus could be a a an asset a friend it would be john and yet he's like almost the biggest dick about it throughout the entire movie you know he's just like i'm gonna and it's blair that's really the one that's like no i believe that he can help us i just thought You know, for a movie that's a direct continuation of the first three Terminators, did you even watch them? And that actually would have solved some of the problems. Because if we've got this situation where the Resistance isn't quite trusting of John. You set up a conflict by John saying, no, I know Terminators can be good. Like, they're not usually and we should destroy them. But every once in a while, I know one can be good. And if that's what ostracizes him. Again, I think you've got a little more interesting movie. I'm not trying to review the movie I wanted versus the movie I got. But there's so many interesting ideas
0: in this movie that they just don't follow through on. You nailed it. Again, you nailed it. That moment, like you did with the Terminator 2 talk where you said, Sarah, you know, became a Terminator. I didn't think about that. The fact that this movie is canon to the first three films and that John has had experience with with good Terminators. That, to me, is the singular reason alone that this movie will never work for me. That's really well said. Bravo! Yeah, I, <laughs> Bravo! Yeah, I
1: mean it, it's it's a complete and utter failure of character uh, writing. and writing, and that for me was the thing that just really stood out. Because it, you're right, everything else, whatever. I I root for bad movies all the time, but that just felt like such a betrayal of if we're gonna have John Connor as a character, which again I've stated repeatedly, I think is a mistake. But if we're gonna do that, at least let's have him be John Connor. This guy does not feel... I can see a little bit how Edward Furlong turns into Nick Stahl, right? There's enough character ties there. I get that. I don't see how those two guys turn into this guy in the slightest.
0: Um, He didn't even give, with the exception of the, the Guns N' Roses You Could Be Mine scene... There's not one time in the film where he says, you know, there was this time I was being chased by a Terminator or through the streets of LA. Like, like, give us some semblance of you have experienced these things in the past. Give us, give us a little fan service, if you will. Let us know that you, hey, I'm the same John Connor that, you know, destroyed two Terminator. Ah, you know what? It's, yeah. It's a moot point because we can't change the reality of what this film is. No, we can't,
1: we can't. And that's, again, I'm trying not to review the movie I wanted. I'm trying to review the movie I got, but that just, that bothered me. Next thing is, John is so damn dumb in this movie, right? He's so concerned about Kyle being saved, yet he's the one that goes out and puts his life at risk and ends up actually getting stabbed through the chest to try and save Kyle. It's like, dude, if you die... You're not alive to send Kyle back in time to be your father. You're the last fucking person that should be trying to save
0: Kyle. (laughs) You're right. And and can you just say, can we just say, you know, you said John's dumb. So are the machines. Why? They've got Kyle in this, like this processing plant where they've got all the, the why again, They're trying to, uh, listen, I, I can't speak for Skynet, but they're trying to wipe out the human race, but they're, they're putting them to work. And I know that line has been, that was put in the first Terminator where he said the machines put us to work and, and that's, that's interesting, but you know, you've got Kyle in there, you know, that's your number one target and you, you've had 20 chances to eliminate him and you don't, it again, doesn't make it, you, you're keeping him prisoner. What are you talking about? They they don't have, they have him locked up in a cell. Like what are you talking about? Yeah. No. I kill I, him. Kill him. Yeah. Game over. That's it. It's like they watched
1: the previous movies, but they didn't pay attention to the previous movies, yeah. and so they just pulled little bits and pieces of them without actually paying attention to what they. Uh, You know, what they were trying to say or what they were trying to do. I don't want to get too bogged down in in the negative. I will say it was kind of nice to have the Linda Hamilton uncredited voiceover. Sure. I thought Danny Elfman's score was pretty terrible um, because it used the theme, so it's a little better than Marco Beltrami's from 3, but it still didn't have that vibe. It, I didn't get the chills when I was hearing. The only time I got the chills was when the CGI Arnold comes out and we get the yeah. like I, that That worked for me, but the opening theme with the credits that are clearly trying to reference the first Terminator left me cold. What would you think of the score?
0: Uh, for forgettable. I just remember this morning watching it, and I was Look, I know you're not supposed to watch stuff on your phone, but I've seen the movie multiple times. So I was watching it on my phone wearing AirPods. So I was getting good surround sound. That's the point of this. The opening theme, you can hear hints of the melodies from the Terminator theme, but they were just off slightly. And it was very off putting for me. Like it was just like, Oh, like it sounds like you're trying to do the metal melody of the Terminator theme, but you're, you're, you're purposely going off a note or off a key. And it's just, um, other than that, uh, completely forgettable. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't remember one action. I can remember action set pieces for films based on the score. You play, you play Danny Elfman's Batman original soundtrack, original score. You play any one of those distinctive compositions that he does for those scenes. And I can picture the movie in my head. Uh, I don't yeah. think that's possible with this film.
1: No, I'm the same way. You play, for me, you play his score from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. And I immediately picture the opening credits of the first one where the webs are shooting and we, like, it just, it, and that is not this score at all. Um, The last thing I want to say, and this is a minor nitpick, but the way they, you know, the first three movies spent so much time establishing how hard it was to kill one fucking terminator and they are just killing and i get they're not the t-1000 and they're not even the the t-800 you know that's the whole point is the end of the movie is when the t-800s are coming offline but are coming online but if it's so hard to kill one terminator in the other movies they are killing terminators left and right in this movie and it just makes the terminators more of an annoyance than a threat to be honest with you yeah and i just thought you know, again, you're a $200 million budget movie. You got to have the action scenes. But give me Kyle and Sarah chucking pipe bombs at one Terminator in a truck over all the big action scenes in this any day of the week.
0: Yeah. Before we get into our recommendation, could you briefly go over the original ending that you were referencing in the Ain't It Cool uh, website? Yeah.
1: So as everybody knows in this one, John gets stabbed in the chest and Marcus, having learned to be human, agrees to give his real heart up to John so that John can stay alive. Well, in the original ending, John dies and they take off his skin and graft it onto Marcus so that Marcus can continue to act. As John Connor, because John Connor is so important to the resistance. Even though we've not seen anything in this movie that shows John Connor is that important. John Connor is so important to the resistance that Marcus becomes the new John Connor. And in an even more original ending, after they graft the skin on him, John kills Kate and Common and Kyle and everybody else. And that's where the movie ends.
0: Okay. Okay. I, uh, there are no words. No, no,
1: no. I mean, this movie, like, again, folks, if you've listened to me on 20th Century Movie Club, like, I love nothing more than defending movies that other people hate. Like, that's my favorite thing, is finding the joy in movies that are bad. Because making movies is so goddamn hard. And making blockbusters of this caliber is exponentially harder. And so I always want to find the good. Man, I failed on this one. This is just not a good movie.
0: Okay. So, having said that, Mike, would you recommend 2009's Terminator Salvation?
1: I would not. I don't think there's anything that it adds to the Terminator mythology, quote-unquote, if you will. I don't think there's, especially because it was supposed to be a trilogy and it was so poorly received, they never made the other two. You know, if you're canon obsessed, this isn't canon anymore. There's... I just don't see that there's any reason to watch this movie. If you like Christian Bale, watch Batman. If you like Sam Worthington, watch Avatar. If you like Anton Yelchin, watch literally any other fucking movie he made. (laughs) There's just no reason to watch this one. What about you, Dana?
0: What's interesting for me is I mentioned that I was not in the best emotional mindset the first time I saw the film. And I walked away going, I don't think I really liked that movie, but I'll give it another try. And I don't think I watched it for like two years after that and by that point i was like you know what i'm ready to give this film a try again and it doesn't grab me like i can forgive a lot of things like i love iron eagle what can i say like i like bad movies but it never grabs me in the at least it's watchable i watched jaws 3 last night that is a terribly bad movie and i fucking love it because it's it's there's it's it's very watchable
1: yeah I mean you know the the movie that I've recommended on the 20th century movie club that has gotten me the most grief has been the wraith and I will say this the thing with the wraith is it's not boring really good bad movies yeah are not boring they're Interesting to watch. They're fun. They're entertaining. The biggest sin this movie creates, above and beyond all the dumb shit it does narratively, is it's boring as hell. I just think, absent a couple of big action set pieces, it's just
0: dull. Those action set pieces never serve the narrative. No, not at all. My thing. So, so it pains me to say this, but I cannot recommend Terminator Salvation. And you know, we we've talked about three movies prior to this and the first two were resounding recommendations the the third one became in real time an absolute recommendation and I wondered if I was gonna have that turnaround when I watched this film again preparing for this podcast episode and it actually just dug it deeper just it just dug deeper as far as like no this is and you said it the best boring yeah it's boring. It's it's everything that I don't like about big blockbuster films, it's exactly like you said, to echo what you said. So, having said all of that... We've can got, I actually, please, sorry, can please, I actually, yep. really
1: quick, yep. I do want to just give one last... I want to end my part on a positive note, which is, for as much as I dislike this movie, I will say McG has done some really terrific stuff as a, and as an executive producer and showrunner of TV shows. Uh, he created, helped create Supernatural. He helped create Chuck. He's directed, he helped create one of my favorite shows, Human Target. So. McGee's tv work is really impressive and the tv world is much better off because we have McGee. uh so i do want to end you know sort of on that positive note of at least giving credit where credit is due
0: yeah and i'll i'll try to follow that up by saying that pretty much everyone in this film goes on post terminator salvation to do really good work you know, yeah. actors, actresses, like you said, Mick G. So uh, the composer, Danny Daniel, like like this is sort of a blemish on, you know, otherwise pretty decent record for most of these, most of the people involved in this film. So Mike, if people want to follow you on social media, how can they do that?
1: Uh, you can find me. I am at Hibachi Justice on Twitter. I am also at Hibachi Justice on Letterboxd, where in addition to, to curating a list of all the movies we recommend on the movie club, you can just follow along with everything I've been watching and uh and so follow me there perfect
0: uh, if you want to follow this show on Twitter you can do so at Dana Buckler show you can follow the show on Instagram at the Dana Buckler show you can follow me on Twitter at Dana Buckler I'm on Instagram at the real Dana Buckler and you can email the show with questions or comments at the Dana Buckler show at gmail.com so Mike four down two to go next one will be next episode we'll be talking about 2015's Terminator Genesis a film that I have only seen one time in the theater, so when I watch it later on this week to prepare for this episode, it will in fact be the second time that I've watched the movie. And I'm sure, I'm like many people out there, I, I will certainly pick up a lot more, I'm sure, on the second viewing. So I'm going to hold my cards close to the vest as far as how I feel about this film right now. But uh, how many times have you seen Genesis?
1: I've only seen it once. Uh, I can tell you... Without revealing any other cards, I'm going to at least have one thing that I will be vastly more positive on than I was about anything in this movie. So, whether I like the rest of the movie or not, we'll see because I'm going to rewatch it as well. But there's at least one thing in that movie that I think is better than anything in this one.
0: Okay. Well, we look forward to hearing that. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Mike, thank you for doing this. Thank you, sir. Happy to do it. And everyone out there, we hope you're staying safe and staying home. And my name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening.